evening. If you would please remain standing as we honor the reading of God's word this evening. From 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Let's pray. Father, in our human arrogance, we believe that we unravel all mystery, that given enough time and enough ingenuity and enough effort, that we can figure everything out, and yet underneath our noses, every 365 days is Christmas. And in Christmas is contained a mystery that no one could see with their eyes or hear with their ears or perceive with their hearts were it not for your redemptive work through the Spirit revealing it to us. And it is that mystery that you have revealed tonight that we celebrate this holiday and are reminded, Father, of the great gift we have in your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I am a, a sucker for Christmas Carol origin stories. As a matter of fact, many, many years ago, a dear saint who's gone on to be with the Lord gave me a book that contains all of these different stories about how the, the Christmas carols came to us. I find myself reading it and reflecting on it every year. I have many favorite stories, but my absolute favorite probably comes from uh, the Appalachian Mountains, and I'd, I'd like to share that with you as we begin this evening. Behind the likes of Joan Baez, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and Bob Dylan is a man named John Jacob Niles, whose influence on American folk music, quite frankly, cannot be overstated. The Kentucky-born Niles grew up in a musical family, and after a stint as a pilot in World War I, he studied music at some of the foremost conservatories in the world. He even eventually became a professional singer in Chicago and New York, but he could never shake his curiosity of or love for the folk music of the Appalachians, and it soon became his life's obsession. In the 1920s and 30s, he made numerous extended trips into the Appalachians to find and transcribe local folk music, something kind of like musical treasure hunts that he would go on regularly. And on July the 16th, 1933, purely by accident, he encountered a small fragment of a tune and text while listening to an itinerant preacher and his family, the Morgans, 
in Murphy, North Carolina. Family had been ordered out of town by the sheriff, but had been allowed to conduct one more service in order to collect the funds that they needed in offerings to actually get out of town. I'll let Niles' record of events take it over from here. Here's what he wrote. They had begun to whoop it up, and by way of banjo and voice, prepared everyone for the preaching and pleading for cash donations. They had opened their meeting with a blousy female person who said she was the wife of the great divine preacher Morgan. She sang lustily, let the church roll on, my Lord, let the church roll on. But no one was ready to help grease the wheels of the carriage on which the church rolled. And it took quite a lot of gasoline to motivate their broken down Ford, the tailgate of which served as a pulpit. I, I sauntered over to get a close look at Preacher Morgan and his entourage, and a girl had stepped out to the edge of the little platform attached to the automobile. She began to sing. Her clothes were unbelievably dirty and ragged, and she too was unwashed. Her ash-blonde hair hung down in long strands, uncombed. And as I came close and stood beside the fantail, I discovered that her young hands were lovely, save for the unkempt broken fingernails. If she had been made up by Hollywood experts, she could not have looked her part more effectively. But best of all, this girl, he later found out her name was Annie, was positively beautiful, and in her untutored way, she could sing. She smiled as she sang. Smiled, he notes rather sadly, and sang only a single line of a song. The burden of her song, Niles writes, had to do with wandering and wondering and the reasons for Christ's birth and death. I wonder as I wonder out under the sky. And that's all she sang. That was it. She stopped. Although he threw a silver quarter at her feet, which Preacher Morgan picked up, he thought rather greedily. That quarter would have purchased enough low-grade gasoline to carry the entire Morgan clan out of Cherokee County and into the state of Georgia, and that was exactly what the lawmen wanted dearly. Preacher Morgan, he writes, hissed a few words into this frightened girl's ear. He seemed to be saying, sing it again. This fellow's ready and willing to pay for it. He said, I, I was truly willing. It may have been my clairvoyance. It may have been my stubborn nature. But whatever it was, I see by my dim records that I went on paying for a single sentence of words and music eight times. Once it seemed to me, she added the words, how Jesus our Savior, but there was nothing more. Finally, I folded up my notebook. Well, over the next several months, he worked with what he admitted was only a garbled fragment of melodic material and a magnificent idea until it became the haunting carol, I wonder as I wonder. Haunting and, and somewhat mysterious, because you see, the next day the Morgan family had moved on, and neither they nor their little angelic Annie were ever heard from again, this in spite of efforts through the years to locate them. It's almost as if the family appeared out of the mist of the Appalachian Mountains to reveal this song to someone who could share it with the world and then slip back into those mists after the message had been given. It's appropriate that the song's origins are shrouded in mystery given that its subject is the mystery of a suffering Messiah. 
I wonder as I wonder out under the sky how Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor, unry people like you and like I. I wonder as I wonder out under the sky. The, the singer invites us to ponder the mystery of the incarnation, Christ's birth, and his atonement, his death on the cross. However, all these years of Christian history might lead us moderns to ask, well, what mystery? Everyone knows that Christ was born to die. But that hasn't always been the case. In fact, the idea of an enfleshed God who would suffer was laughable nonsense to the religious world of the time. Actually, Paul himself was charged as a fool by the people of Corinth for preaching the very message that we hold dear. And his refusal to stray from it actually led some within the Corinthian church, the church, to conclude that Paul's message lacked any depth, any real wisdom. So Paul pushed back with a biting critique of that so-called wisdom championed by the majority culture in Corinth, turning the tables and saying that his simple message of a suffering Savior was indeed what was and is true wisdom. And yet, in the passage I read to you to begin, this true wisdom had remained hidden, a mystery. And all except those for whom the message was intended, God's people never understood it. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Those he has in mind were actually the religious and governmental rulers behind the crucifixion of Jesus. But this inability to grasp what God was up to by the population at large was just as mysterious to those who were in charge of things during Christ's birth, you have Herod the Great seeking to kill Jesus and Bethlehem's population, failing to make room for him. Countless people, great and small, could not see, hear, or understand God's ways through Christ. And yet, there were eyes that saw and ears that heard and hearts that understood in long ago Bethlehem, weren't there? So what made the difference? How did they know? Did, did wise men and shepherds, Simeon and Anna, later on, figure the mystery out because they were just smarter than everyone else? This is the time of year where parents especially put a great deal of effort into preserving mystery, and children put a great deal of effort into solving mystery. I'm at the stage of my life where there is no mystery. Most, most of the gifts that I will receive tomorrow, I kid you not, I bought myself during prime days in July from Amazon. <laughs> but there was a time where it all wasn't known so clearly. And when I was 10 in 1976, I had my heart set on getting a Hot Wheels racetrack in bicentennial red, white, and blue. So when a larger package appeared at the back of the tree, I was dying to know if it was my hope for a racetrack. Well, I, I wasn't going to peel back the paper to take a peek, like my wife would have done at her age. <laughs> I mean, I have ethics. So instead, 
I went to the, I'm going to pay for that. Instead, <laughs> I went to the toy store and very scientifically measured the width of the box containing the racetrack with my hand and then memorized how far apart it was. And then I went back home and put my very precise measure, measurements on that box and bingo, mystery solved. It was the racetrack. I had outsmarted my parents. <laughs> so is that what the wise men and shepherds and Simeon and Anna did? It's pretty clear that they didn't. They were all, each and every one of them, just doing life. And then a star appeared. And an angel appeared. And the Holy Spirit spoke. They didn't figure it out. God showed them. He revealed it to them. Listen again. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. What God was doing in Jesus was a mystery. Paul says this, and the reason that it was a mystery was that the knowledge of what God was doing in Jesus was hidden from view by those who thought they knew everything already. But God had to reveal, reveal who Christ really is and what he really came to do. And that is the gift of Christmas. The world celebrates Christmas tonight, but not like we do. We celebrate its true meaning, but not because we're, we're smarter than everyone else. We do it because we've been given a gift. God has shown the mystery to us. Ten years ago tonight, we gathered for this service somewhat foolishly in hindsight, in the teeth of a howling blizzard. There were, there were about 200 people, including everybody up here, that particular night. My memories of that night are vivid. I remember watching the snow plows trying to clear our parking lot and see the snow fill in behind them as fast as they could push it out of the way. I remember the heater in this room blowing constantly to fight off the cold and almost having a heat stroke wearing this robe. I remember hearing the building groan under the strain of the wind while I was preaching. But what I remember most about Christmas 2009 was when our family gathered the next morning to open gifts, as God intends for all families to do. <laughs> that year during Advent, our church had emphasized sharing our story of coming to Jesus, and we had encouraged everyone to write out that story and then to share it with family before opening gifts. So with the snow still falling outside, Julie, Caleb, Abby, and I shared with one another how we had come to know Jesus. The circumstances were all different, but the common denominator was God showing us Jesus, showing me in a revival service when I was in sixth grade, showing Julie unchurched at the time in an after-school scripture memory class that her friend invited her to, showing Caleb when he was a little boy and tagging along with me to do and conduct a funeral service, 
showing Abby when she was a little girl, when she attended a river baptism at our church and decided that it was time for her to give her life to Jesus. None of us figured it out. God sent his light to us and then showed us something we would have never figured out on our own. And so, perhaps this evening, you're wondering, has God shown me? Has the mystery been revealed to me? Well, if you've come to a point in your life where you've acknowledged your sin and you've acknowledged Christ's sacrifice for your sin as being the only thing sufficient to give you the forgiveness that you need and surrendered all parts of your life now and forevermore to follow him, then yes, God has shown it to you. But if you have not had that moment, then let me give you some comfort that, that God is showing you. You're here. The truth through the proclamation of the word, through the edifying of the people, through preaching, has been revealed to you. You've heard the mystery upon which everything hinges. And if you're here and don't know Christ as your Savior, then take this opportunity with the Spirit of God speaking to your heart, telling you that Jesus is the only way. And through Him, you can find your life's fulfillment and your life's purpose. If you hear tonight the Spirit saying to you, Life is not going to be perfect after you give your life to Jesus. But if you don't give your life to Jesus, you will have nothing left to look forward to past the end of this life. If you feel God speaking to you in that way this evening, then simply call on him to save you. If you look at scripture, when the light comes on for people and the mystery is revealed. You don't see some long theological prayer where all the theological I's are dotted, all the theological T's are crossed. You see people crying out with their heart and even with their mouth, what must I do to be saved? Surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and profess faith in Him through baptism and you will be saved. So give your life to Christ tonight. And if you do that, you will receive the very best Christmas gift. The only gift that will ever matter. And as we light the candle and sing Silent Night, we remember the words concerning Jesus from John 1.5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus came. And the eye did not see and the ear did not hear and the heart did not even consider that Christ was coming and to die. But we have. We have been given that gift. So tonight, let us light our candles with the knowledge that God has revealed Jesus to us through his Holy Spirit.